Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kuba. I'm Jesper Young. I'm Henry Larson. I am Francisco Segundolo. And you are listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. Here we are, Miami Open podcast. We thought we'd bring this to you. We're halfway through the tournament. We are nearly complete for the quarterfinals. And we're here to talk about the big man, Carlos Alcaraz. Can anybody stop him? That's the big question. He is on course for the Sunshine Double, and he is dishing out bagels uh, all over the place, isn't he, JG? Yeah, exactly. And that is the title of the video. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Uh, we thought we would do a podcast because we're not covering any matches tonight. Uh, so let's just talk about some of the matches which have been and gone. And the big topic everyone's asking is whether or not anyone can beat Carlos Alcaraz. We're looking at his run right now and the way he's been playing. And it's looking extremely unlikely. This is the guy who won Indian Wells, uh, beating some of the best players in the world. And Daniel Medvedev, who's on that crazy streak. Yannick Sinner, who's having a fantastic year. Uh, Draper, I know he pulled out early doors, but still a tough player to beat. And he's just looking formidable, to be honest. In this event, he's not dropped a set and he's not looked like dropping many games at all. He bageled Lajovic in the last one against Bagnis. It was a bagel and um, a 6-2 as well. And I'm trying to work out, Ben, who is the biggest competitor and the biggest threat to Carlos Alcaraz in Miami. Everyone would say Daniel Medvedev is the obvious answer. I'm not sure if it is. And I'm looking across the tour. And Medvedev, I mean, he got a bit fortunate with a, with a uh, walkover in the last match against Modchan. I feel probably one of the biggest threats to him would be a Holgoruna. Yeah, or Taylor Fritz, I'd say. I'd say throw his name in there. Dangerous, big serving, 
and we are in America, of course. He did win Indian Wells last year. I, th- I think he's got a good opportunity. He knocked out Chapo very convincingly in the last round. Um, I think most people probably had that. And he did knock out John Isner's conqueror, uh, Nava, in straight sets as well. So he's still yet to drop a set, but he does have that very exciting match against Holger Luna coming up in this fourth round. So that one's going to be quite a tight one. So what do you make of Tommy Paul's chances against uh, Carlitos? I don't give him any chance. <laughs> like I just don't give him any chance at all. I don't want to be dismissive to any of the other competitors, but we said it in the draw preview. I generally feel the men's side of the draw is pretty predictable. I just feel Adkaraz or Medvedev will be in the... I feel like it's probably going to be an Adkaraz-Medvedev final again, like I called. And then I think Adkaraz beats him. He beat him so comfortably. The problem is, in the last event, Indian Wells... I generally thought Medvedev was going to win that final against Alcaraz. The way he played against him, so fearless and so dangerous. There wasn't really a weakness in his game. And Medvedev, someone who has been playing so well up until that point, didn't have any yeah. answers. He didn't look like it. It wasn't a close match. It wasn't a three sets was going either way. There wasn't one moment in that match where I thought Medvedev could win it. And it's really difficult now to look at Miami and think Medvedev has a chance. Uh, let's bring up some tweets because we've got quite a few to go through. And this is this first one's from Gil Gross. And it's a, a little transcript from the post-match interview after Adkaraz beat Lajevic. And okay. the question, the, the interviewer question was, I want to ask you about shot selection. In your view, how do you maintain your aggressive style, but also from, a, from neutral, stay solid and disciplined? As you develop, do you think you'll become a more and more patient player? And Adkaraz responded saying, yeah, well, I feel I really uh, am uncomfortable in playing both games. When, let's say, my game or I miss a lot being aggressive, I change my game to play more solid. And it's interesting because it is between the the split of playing ultra-aggressive and a little bit more reserved and play percentage tennis. It's important to be able to develop both. And Adkaraz is a unique player in the fact that he's able to do both. And the reason he's able to do both is because he relies on his movement. He has the most superior movement on the tennis circuit right now. Nobody can move like him. I know yeah. in the past we spoke about Galmon Fees as someone who was very athletic, able to move around the court very well. In more recent years, Alex Dimonor was someone who come through. They called him, we called him the speed demon. Adikas is faster than all of them. I'm talking in their prime. I've never seen a player move so quick. He's very reminiscent of some of the the early days of a Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. I wouldn't even include Federer. I think Djokovic and Nadal were faster. I think Adkaraz is very much of that that category. He's rapid. Yeah. Move down here. He says, I feel really comfortable. Movement. I consider myself a really fast player. I try to take advantage of that. You know, to be young, to be fast, to try and be solid sometimes. That, that, that's why I consider myself like really tough player because I mix both games. Uh, yeah, year by year, when I'm growing up, I feel more solid in certain moments. So what he does is he relies on his pace to know that he's going to be able to get to loads of balls. And in order to do that, he's then able to mix his game up because he can play this defensive style because he knows if he just sits back and he's not playing very well. I think there's another part of this quote, which isn't on here, uh, with him saying what he's able to do in tough moments is if he's not playing well and he's making a lot of unforced errors, is just bring it back a little bit and play a little bit more percentage tennis and then find himself from there and build it. 
he is a unique situation in tennis where he's able to do both very well. That coupled with the fact that he's one of the most powerful tennis players, his serve's not bad as well. He's got a brilliant backhand and drop shots like I've never seen a young player do. You're looking at him as the next best thing, which I don't think anyone's going to be able to stop. He is a force in tennis, just like the big three when they come through. I know Federer was a little bit of a later bloomer, which is unbeatable. I see him going on to do amazing things. And I will eat my hat, Ben, if he doesn't come like one of these big goats we're talking about now. I know that's a lot of pressure to put on him. I know it's maybe a bit crazy to say, but all of the signs we're seeing from him at this young, tender age is not just as good as Rafael Nadal and Djokovic. It's better. Wow. Most definitely. It sounds like you're very passionate about this uh, this topic and I couldn't agree more. I feel that this is one thing we rarely agree on a lot of things on the podcast, but it's something that I definitely do echo. I feel that there were one really exciting thing that I really like about his game when I watch him on court. And it sort of alludes to what you were saying is his variety of play mixed in with the facts that he is so fast now as well. Like yeah. we, we see how powerful he is and people have to mind their P's and Q's. They have to stay back because they need to have as much time as possible to cover the court. But then he just has one of the best drop shots in the game and he can change from power to like delicate shots just within an instant. And that's just one thing that not many other players on tour have that no one can... You can't like, teach it. No, you can't give that many different looks. And he has the short one inside out forehand. I really like that. The backhand was the one which I think when he first came on the scene, I think Jose Morgado, he was the one who was sort of singing the praises. That was his favorite shot. The short backhand cross court lands around the service box. It's just like a bullet straight, very low bounce. And he's just added to that. He can do it on both wings. He's quick. You could go on all day about him. And he does trick shots as well these days. He does everything. And now the scary thing, he's starting to just bagel and absolutely decimate his opponents on court. And these are not just any old opponents. These are good players. This is somebody who knocks out Andy Murray in the tournament. And he's like, oh, Andy Murray. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'll give you a bagel next as well. Don't worry. It's I think if Andy Murray had played Alcaraz in this tournament, he would have got a bagel as well. That's the, how ridiculous he's becoming, I feel, as a tennis player. He is getting to the summit right now. He's been at number one. Maybe some people didn't think he was warranted for number one because of all of the points, all those things that were happening with Djokovic at the time. Well, this year he's going to try and prove that he will be number one for real, I think. And that's what his real aim is in 2023. And I'm sure he would love to play Djokovic and I'm sure he would love to beat Djokovic to prove it. Yeah, moving on to the next tweet. It's another one about Carlitos. And this is actually from Yannick Sinner's coach. You may see him because the camera often pans to him. He's a guy who talks a lot uh, during the match, uh, offering Sinner a lot of tips and tricks, especially now where on-court coaching is allowed. And he was trying to help him get through Carlos Alcaraz in Indian Wells. I remember he was saying when we was doing a stream about his forehand uh, to stay a little bit calmer and wait and be a bit more patient in the points. 
didn't really work, but I guess we did see a close match. It was closer than the Medford F1, yeah. I guess. Was it? I don't know. A little bit. I mean, the Medford still far superior, but it was the Medford yeah. F1 was a bit surprising. So Sinner always does pose a threat to Adkalas. He is another one who is a really young talent. I think he's a little bit too weak still and needs to work on his physique and definitely his mentality. I don't see that same fight from a Yannick Sinner to win a ball. Adkalas yeah. has that. I would like to say the Nadal in him. Maybe I'm biased. <laughs> that little bit of Nadal, something what's missing from Push the modern the day player. I've been telling Ben many times when we play, try and be a little bit more like Nadal. You're a similar age to him. What's your excuse? <laughs> Fight for that ball, Ben. Don't keep giving up on it. And the thing is what Yannick Sinner's missing is that inner Nadal. I think he will find it. I think he'll win Grand Slams. I think he'll be a great player. Not right now. Alcaraz is superior. But what his coach had to say and I think he is a very good coach, by the way, is we're talking about a phenomenon. At 19, nobody played like that, not even the greats, like Djokovic, Rafa or Federer. No one was was able to compete as he is when they were 19. He's going to improve and be at the top for many, many years. So this is echoing what I was saying in my first segment, how everyone who knows about tennis can appreciate what, what Carlos Alcanaz is doing. He does it in a way which is very likable as well because he's a humble character. You see when he talks about tennis that he loves the sport. You see that what his main focus is, is bringing joy to people's hearts to grow the sport in a positive way. You don't see a lot of the negative theatrics you'd associate with a tennis, modern day tennis player nowadays. Yeah. You see a model professional who looks like he's been playing for his whole life. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Without a weakness physically. I mean, he's just simply so good at everything. The touch, the power. There's not he's not missing anything. It's difficult to even find something he can improve on. I think he just needs to keep playing more matches and he's gonna win big things. And I thought this is important to share because it's coming from someone who clearly knows a lot about tennis, uh, more than probably me and you, Ben Vagnossi. I think we can say <laughs> sure. that as much as we love to say we're big tennis tennis uh fans. These guys are people who are involved in tennis their whole life. They're coaches. And when you see people who that's their profession talk so highly on a player, you've got to sit back and listen. And I mean, there's not much more I can say about it because I feel like I've spoke for quite a while on this podcast all about him. And on the question of can anyone stop Alcaraz, I'm loving I'm having a little look through now. So let me just share my screen, Ben. Go on then. And we can have a little look. So I want to make sure I can share the right yeah. one. While you're doing that, I just thought something quite interesting to speak about as well. He is going to be playing Tommy Paul, as we've mentioned. Yeah. And he's looking to, I feel this year, right a few wrongs. Because last year he's played Tommy Paul and he was defeated. He lost in three sets at Montreal. And he lost to Yannick Sinner, obviously, last year as well. He's righting the wrongs. He's losing to these players last year, and now he's coming through and he's beating these players. Cam Norrie, he also lost to in Cincinnati, but Cam Norrie's also got another one over him this year as well. So Cam Norrie, terrible performance this tournament. I don't know what happened to him here in Miami. He got knocked out by Barrera very easily as well. It was one of his worst performances, I think, Cam Norrie. So um, hopefully he's back to his best when the clay court comes around. Yeah, so let's have a look here. So on the question, who can stop Carlos Alcaraz? We'll speak about some of the flops of the week in a moment because there's a few I want to speak about. 
But let's just talk about who's left in and then we'll move on to the women's. In this top section, there is some tough matches. And I feel probably the toughest match which is going to come will be between Fritz and Luna. Say if he gets through Tommy Paul, I think mm. he will. I know you say he lost last year. I think it's just another level now. He beats Paul. With Fritz, Runa, I think Runa's going to beat Fritz. I really do. I think Fritz was very well, did very well against Shapovalov, but is someone with no confidence. And I think he could have done better to beat him more convincing. One breaker set didn't really inspire me from Taylor Fritz. I know you can say he did just enough and maybe that's what he's doing. But still, I think he was a tad disappointed at Indian Worlds as well. And I, you could say the same about Runa, by the way. Yeah. I feel Runa will beat Fritz. And I think that is going to be a really tough match. Runa, Adikas, two players who know each other. They played doubles together when they was younger. I think that's his biggest challenge. I even think if he is to face a Sinner or a Rublev, I don't fear them as much as a Runa. Because I think Runa's a bit more fearless. If I'm looking down this whole section, I see a lot of nerves from a lot of these players under big moments. Rublev, Sinner, Fritz, top players. Mentality-wise, they're not monsters. Runa, I can see something a bit different. After he beat Djokovic in Paris, he's got that, that dog in him. He's got that little bit of, he could star do something. Quality. Not just the star quality, he's got something mentally, which is a bit different. And what for a young player to be able to compete against the very best, Adkalaj is one of the very, is one of the very best right now. He's world number one. Runa can cause a bit of a, an upset, I think, for that reason alone. He may rise to the occasion like he did in Paris to Djokovic. That is, for me, the biggest threat. Could be a fierce rivalry for years to come as well. We're talk always talking about the Sinner Alcalaz. Holgaluna Alcalaz is another one which I'm hoping we get to see many matches. And I'm hoping that they're going to be super close as well. Those two will run each other close. And I think they can do it on all the surfaces as well. That's the, the good thing about yeah. Holgaluna as well. Good. And Yannick Sinner as well. Yeah. Very good across all three surfaces. So we've the future's in good hands with those ones. Taylor Fritz, another one, not bad on all surfaces. I'd say Clay, obviously, is weakest one, but good on grass, good on hard court. That's a close one for me for Fritz and Runa. I, I would favour Fritz slightly just because of the serve. Yeah, I think the bookies have Fritz 1.6 to 2.3, but not okay. much in it at all. Yeah. If you're wondering. That's um, Sinner Rublev's really tough to call. I, I'm, I would always go Sinner straight away. In my mind, this tournament, I think Phil Rublev got a point to prove at the moment. We could see that uh, one go the way of Rublev, potentially. Hmm. So looking at the bottom half, we've still got a few matches to be completed here. Um, I'm not sure who they are. I'll have to check in a minute. I don't know if you've got it up now. It's probably who's playing at the moment. And we've got Sissipas Hachanov, Serundolo, who beat Felix, Quentin Halist, who's uh, playing Medvedev. So Medvedev got a walkover. He seems to be cruising. His draw is quite nice as well. But let's talk about the men's tour because there's been some big seeds who have gone out. And that is why we see Francisco Serundolo there because Felix went out. And there's also some other ones as well. So I don't know which one you want to start with. But Kasper let's start Rude. with this one, Casper Ruud, I guess. And he, oh, I'll let you read it out, Ben. Yeah, Casper Ruud has not found his form just yet in 2023. Five wins, six losses is the record. 81st in the race. Drops Miami finalist points. Obviously, last year, he did exceptionally well. 
in Miami, and this year just not good enough. Uh, the good news for Casper is he goes to the clay where he can hopefully turn it around as he had a 25-7 to record on clay in 2022. And I was sort of monitoring what he was up to last night, and it just he was unable to close out the match. He just went into total passive tennis mode, was unable to finish off uh, van der Zanschlup from a winning position in the second set, and ended up losing the entire match. And Morgado was losing his losing his mind over the whole thing. I couldn't never seen him tweet so many times in the space of like about ten or twenty minutes. So Kasparud, he will be happy that we're going onto the clay. But I'm I'm a little bit disappointed. I have to say with Kasparud because. He's another one of those young players. He's not old at all. What's he, 25, 24? No, he's younger than that, Bed. He's younger than 25. 24? I think he's like 23. I just thought he was 24, but uh, let, me just have a, let me just have a little uh, I check. Was, I thought he was younger. Let me just quickly check 24. That one. Okay, so he's 24. But he, he's the one up there. He made the Grand Slam. Uh, well, he made a couple of Grand Slam finals obviously lost to Spanish players both times. Is that going to be playing on his mind now? Is he going to be a little bit defeatist this year? He obviously got to the final of the World Tour Finals, so he was doing all right then. But a very big ask to live up to last year. It has to be said, he did have a very good year last year. What do you make of uh, the start of his 2023? Well, I'm trying to remember some stats. Um, And one of them I saw earlier was he's not... So this is an interesting one. In 2023, he's not won back-to-back matches. No. Yeah. It's... Which is shocking for a player of his caliber to not be able to win two match one two matches in a row. I mean, yeah, I didn't and... expect that from Casper Ruud. And another one in the live rankings, I think he's something like 70th for this year. So 2023 has been a year to forget for Casper Ruud. It can only get better because he's gone onto the clay and that's where he's yeah. usually so good. He'll probably try and play a few 250s. But he's someone who could be outside the top 10 come the end of the year. He's just not delivered at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see someone like a a TFO inside the top 10 over a rude. Wow. I mean, that would be pretty mental if we got to see that. I mean, the, the craziest thing is, I don't... This is... It's not rude to say. I don't think... Well, pun no pun intended he he hasn't played any sort of level of competition either if i'm no it's not uh, like he's been beat losing against top players no he's lost to brooks laszlo Gere, brooksby tara daniel christian garin and now Butik van der Zanslup. they are good not, players but they're, they're good but yeah he's, he's lacking confidence big time and he's struggling oh it says it there 81st in the race I don't even need to say that. Yeah, yeah, 81st in the row. 70 or something. But yeah, yeah, definitely down there. I was trying to memorize it, but memorize it. But there was definitely a stat where he's not won back-to-back matches this year, which is poor. So that that's all I've really got to say about Casper Rude. Moving on to someone else who's had a really bad year, and that's Felix. I don't know if you've got a tweet for him. Um, I believe we do. Uh, the next one I would sit it past, but there we go on to the Felix one. Here we go. So this is the Felix one. Jose Morgado, 2022 semi-finalist Salundalo is back in the in the last 16 of Miami. 6-2-7-5 over Felix. One of the biggest wins of his career. Loves the tournament. Felix had a shocker having a tough season so far. 
Let's rewind a little bit to the back end of last year, ATP finals. Djokovic, the big favourite. Second favourite was Felix. I think most people agreed. There was a few back and forth and people saying, <laughs> you can't dismiss um, Daniel Medvedev. You can't do this. But on form, indoor hardcore, Felix was on fire. Yeah. He was generally on fire. We was looking at him as someone, can he push Djokovic? Djokovic wants to avoid him in the group. It ended up Djokovic walking the tournament. <laughs> but Felix was seriously good. I just want to remind people of this, how well he was playing the back end of 2022. 2023 started. I'm sorry, he's just been a shadow of himself. He's six in the world. I think that's got to be right up there with his career high. He's won some matches here and there and some big ones as well. But anytime he plays anyone of note, he loses. Medvedev demolished both times. Uh, Australian Open, I thought he was disappointing losing to Lehechka. Lehechka's a quality player, but that's a poor one, I'm afraid. Yep. Um, he lost to Poprin in Adelaide. He's also lost to Senego in Dubai. Adelaide, as you'd understand. And Sarundolo in Miami, which is his worst loss of the lot. And the mad thing is, I don't know if you knew this, but he's played Sanundalo. He's played him three times in the last few months. <laughs> he's, not someone who's like a, he's not someone who he's just played as a bit of a, a banana skin or something. He's played him and beaten him comfortably all the time. He played him at Indian Wells. He played him last week at Indian Wells and beat him in straight sets. Sarundalo likes Miami last year's semi-finalist. So I understand that. Well, listen, I was telling you that in the draw preview. When you put him out early and you're like, no, he's not going to do it again. Well, your brother's in arms. I can't really argue with you. Um, I was just Boy. checking something as well, just from Casper Rude. I don't believe I had him in my top 10 for the end of this no, year. No, you didn't. So that's a bit of a crazy one. Maybe it will come to fruition. Who knows? I did lose my mind a little bit on some of the picks, but Felix, I think we both definitely had in ours. And will we live to regret that? Was that just a bit of madness come the end of the year and recency bias based upon three indoor hard tournament oh, wins. I don't which... think we can be critical of ourselves. He was building and he's, he's yeah, got indoors. the ability to do well. Well, he's building himself indoors for the 2023 outdoor season. I think Felix will always be a good player, but I think he's going to yeah. be a journeyman. I really don't want to... Dis... I don't want to... I know people don't like a lot of my opinions on here and they say... <laughs> I'm too harsh on this, but just tell me, uh, this is my opinion on it. And I just think he's going to be a bit of a journeyman. I don't see him winning slams. I don't see him winning really big events. I think he'll come close in events. He'll just be there or thereabouts in some. He'll have some great matches, some really close matches. He's not going to win anything. I don't think he, I don't, I don't look at him and think he's, he's just a, a big serve. No, he's not a big serve. He's a good player. He's got a good game. He's got really good hands. He's a, Good, well-rounded tennis player, Felix. I just don't see him with a mentality of beating the likes of these other players. I see Sinner as a more a bigger prospect. I see Hulgaruna as a bigger prospect. I don't see him getting anywhere near Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, Alcaraz demolished him at Indian Wells. I know it was it was it was uh, it was straight sets. It was six four six four. It's not bad, but it feels like Alcaraz wasn't even that. He could have gone up a few more gears so run close by tommy paul in the round round before though eight six in the final set tie break so didn't have it all his own way in that last one it wasn't like he was cruising through to to meet alcalaz as well so he he was quite close against montero in the first round of miami two very close tie breaks 10-8 in the second one so 
I'm not sure no, what's he's, going he's, on. He's having a bit of a disappointing year so far. But he can pick it up. He can have a good season. I just don't see him at the moment doing amazing things. But let's move on to the next one. Right, this next one, uh, the last one of the men's. This is Stefano Tsitsipas on playing uh, Indian Wells. This was just to do with Masters in general, he said. There's an ATP rule. If you don't play in a Masters 1000, they take away your best 1000 result of last year and you can't add points. I had to play. You also get fined. It's frustrating to have to think about this on top of your injury. Hmm. Very interesting perspective and maybe something some people weren't aware of as well, that you have to play, really, essentially. And despite injuries that these players are carrying around, they might have wanted to have a rest. No, you can't do that. <laughs> you have to play. So It's not quite right what you're saying. There's a few little threads on, on Twitter where it goes into all the details. I'll be entirely honest. I can't be bothered to read it. It's small print and there's too many words and I just don't want to read it all. <laughs> like it seems it. too boring, if I'm if I'm honest. It's on section 9.03 of the commitment players ATP agreement. Bore, bore, bore. Blah, I'm not blah, reading blah. it. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. No, I can't do it. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm not going to give you that information. If you want to read it, go check it out on Twitter. But from what I can see and just reading between the lines, what Steph has said is not factually correct. There is some kind of loopholes. There is, there is what he's saying can be true, but it's not exactly like that. However, let's just talk about the situation. Sissipas quite obviously has been carrying an injury and he wasn't really ready to play Indian Wells. However, he didn't want to miss out on the points and he was under some kind of pressure from the ATP to play the event. That's just reading between the lines. That's what's kind of happened. In this situation, I generally feel he would have been better off just scrapping the points and avoiding playing Indian Wells when he's not feeling fit. Then come play Miami if he's feeling a little bit better other than having that week, week's rest. He didn't have, He had no kind of... Uh, it was terrible at Indian Wells. Didn't do anything of any note. No. I think he went out to... Who was it? Thompson. Thompson. I was going to say Tara Daniel, but it was probably worse than Thompson. And I don't see him winning this event either. I don't know if you agree. I think I don't. I'm not yeah. looking at his tennis thinking he's going to win Miami. All he's doing now, I think, is going to affect his body come the very long and challenging clay court swing because playing on the clay is tough on the body. You get some long, grueling matches. We know he likes Barcelona. We know he's been the best player at Monte Carlo in recent years, won it twice. Mm. Going into these events with Roland Carlos around the corner, I think he should have just left these ones, prioritised that, and then he can have a real threat and be a real threat with a, a fitter, fresher mind and body. He's not done that, and I think it's a mistake. Well, yeah, I'm, he's got a tough match coming up next. So he just played three sets with Christian Galin. Now he has got uh, Karen Hachanov, and he's playing all right. It looks like he knocked out Lehechka fairly comfortably. I think he's going to knock out Sissipas as well, if I'm perfectly honest. I don't see him getting past. If he struggled past Garin, uh, Karen's going to be uh, much worse for him, that's for sure. Well, you say that. So, Hatchinoff will go into his Miami round four match with a 0-6 head-to-head versus Steph and a 0-23 record in his last 23 matches versus top 10 opposition. <laughs> I think it will change. <laughs> so, he's saying this. 0-23 Hatchinoff against top 10 opposition. Good time for him to play, Steph, I feel. 
That and this is where he's he can... playing well. It's just the pass he's struggling with his right shoulder. You watch, he loses straight sets. Charnoff. <laughs> I've got if he loses it like with the way it's all aligned for him, he's playing his best tennis. Steph's not playing well, he's yeah. injured. Then he has clearly got a massive mental block, isn't he? With top ten players. Yeah, if it doesn't twenty three be... matches he's lost in a row, Ben, against top ten. It's not good enough, is it, really? I mean, how is that? It just possible? screams Ben. Well, they sometimes say I, I look similar. <laughs> Maybe I'm a Hatchmanov on court. <laughs> We've got the, got the uh, backwards hat. That's about the only Sean said Ben's throwing the stat book out the window. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Come on, Karen. Let's get the win. Um, Steph doesn't seem like he wants to be there. So t- no time. All these stats are there. Though, the rules are there to be broken. I've got another one that as one well. And he's also goal. two out <laughs> in his last 16 matches. He's won two, lost 14 against one-handed backhand players. <laughs> against one-handed players. What do you say then? That's like, oh, it's really bad stat for him there. Oh, dear. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, so, well. Playing one foot. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Karen has a mental block, I feel, against these one-handed backhanders. So, maybe he can change just, it. All though. the odds are just stacked against him. Never beaten Sissipath. Zero and six. Stats are there to be broken, I always feel. that that's They has, they can't last forever, those statistics, surely. All right. Well, praise for Karen. Come on. <laughs> Get done. Right. Moving on. Finally, um, to the, the women's now. And some interesting revelations going on on the women's side obviously the the matchup that we're all hoping to go and see which is happening later on in about an hour's time it is Sabalenka versus Barbola Klaichikova and that is the big matchup it seems of 2023 their paths keep meeting each other it's almost like the Barty Sabalenka one of a couple of years back well who who can call this I mean Klaichikova playing so well again and Seems to be the only person really who could beat uh, Sabah other than maybe Rebakina at the moment. So I'm excited. I can't wait to see how this match goes. And I'm really hoping that it's going to be a, a nice three set match with a lot of top quality tennis and no double faults, please. So the last two meetings, Dubai, Kladchikova won in three. Um, it was the weirdest match I've ever seen in my life. It was a bagel, Sabalenka. <laughs> A tie break in the middle, and then Kratikova six one in the third. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> just a, a one sided set, a tie break, and then another one sided set the other way, which was strange. Indian Wells, let's see if that was still a bit strange. I can't remember. This was still one sided sets each time. I mean, six three Sabah, six two Kratikova, and then six four Sabah. So a bit, a little bit tighter. It was a very close third set. And I agree. I think it's a, fanta- it's a fantastic matchup this year. And I think the big thing to be talking about now is Barbara Krajikova. She's recently done some kind of interview. I've not know, I don't know if it was a podcast, an interview, or just in a post-match interview. But there was an extensive um, piece of text of what she was saying. She had a lot to say about the tennis tour. And yeah. I thought it was extremely interesting. So let's start with that. And she said this. So when I read something... It's about Savontek, Sabalenka and Rybakina. I'm not really there. What else should I do? <laughs> this week, I'll prove it again. So I'll get into the top three. I want to be recognized too. 
I think I deserve it. Um, I've had a lot of success, but I don't get credit. And this was just a little, little part of this. There's loads of other more quotes as well. I'm going to read some out in a minute. But she's clearly extremely frustrated with the way the WTA tour is and the fact that not many people warm to her, support her, and view her as one of the elites of the women's game. This girl's won 11 Grand Slam titles. Take a point. 11 Grand Slam titles. Granted, 10 of them are in doubles, one in singles at Roland Garros. She's a serious champion. She's a winner. Yep. She wins events. She doesn't just go into events. She wins them. In the single, she has won a Grand Slam. Yeah. I know them three have all won Grand Slams as well. But why is she not considered as part of this three? What more does she need to do to be in this conversation? You look at her on Twitter, say, she's just scraped 20,000 uh, followers. I can't imagine her following on Instagram being much bigger. You watch her tennis matches, their seats free. Is it her style of play? Is it her personality? Is it her character? Yeah, I don't think it's her tennis. I mean, her tennis no. is some of the best you can see. She plays really, really well and competitive tennis. And she's one of the few players who can consistently be eager. So what more can she do, Ben? It's a very good question, JG. Uh, it's the one, it seems like the million-dollar question at the moment. Uh, why doesn't Barbora Kajikova put bums on seats? And I feel that the WTA are making it worse, if anything, by Ooh. not including her in all of these, the big three. She should surely be in there. She's beaten Saba. She's beaten Eager. Uh, what more does she need to do? She's won a slam okay. already. So you're saying all of this, Ben? Now I'm going to argue with you, but I want to just mm -hmm. ask you a question. Yeah. Is she in your top three then? Is she in my top three? She's in my top 10 for the end of the no, year. No, no, no. I'm not talking asking. about that. I'm talking about <laughs> right now, the three best players in the world. Is she in your top three? Hmm. It's a good question. Is she in the top three? Because you're saying I mean, this is like, oh, she should be considered in the top three. She, is she in your top three? Who said that she has to be considered you in the top three? You just said that a second ago. You was like... She needs to be considered alongside them. There doesn't need to be a top three. There should be a top four, and she should oh, be in Oh, top four. Yeah. So you added an extra one. Yeah. The, the, and, so you, Andy so Murray okay, was so in the big disagree. four. So you're saying she's fourth? I'd say that probably based upon all the stuff she's done in her career, then she should probably be no, fourth. Not in her career, this year alone. This year alone? If you were just to, to take out 2023... The top three players in 2023. Yeah, she's definitely one of the top three players in 2023. Okay, then, so what's your... Go Give me your one, two, three. Well, the top three players in 2023 will be Saba, Rabakina, and Kajikova. And then Iga, unfortunately, is not uh, at the same level that she was last year yet. But she will be. Clay's coming around. And then we're going to see maybe Rabakina drop off. Maybe it'll be the other three. Iga... Klaichikova, Saba. I feel that their different surfaces are going to denote the way that these these four rotate. We don't know. Maybe Pagula may get herself in the question when it comes to Harcourt, but at the moment, it's just okay, these so just four. Say, say your order again. So Iga's not in your top three for this year? So far, I don't think that she's been so number one is who? Saba? Number one, Saba. Rabakana, and then Rabakana, and then Klaichikova, yeah. Okay. Perfect. So far. So let me just bring this up then. 
Go on, then. <laughs> so this is the race for this year. So if we're looking at performances this year alone, we've got Sabah number one, Rebecca number two, and Eager number three, three with points. And Paguna so number four. <laughs> and Paguna number four. Krachikov is actually, in fact, number five. Uh, just above Bencic, funny enough. Wow, uh, because of, I believe, Indian Wells points. Interesting. So I can understand the whole the whole side of you can make an argument that she's not been in the top three, um, but she certainly should be considered as one of the top players on tour. I don't know why she's having to focus about being in the top three. I feel that I her... think I generally think what she should do is focus on being the top three players this year. And she's clearly not yeah. been in the top three players. I know you're saying she's third for you, which is fair enough. In terms of points and what she's able to be able to do on a factual level, she's not number three. So what no. I would rather be doing right now, focus on playing better tennis and getting through these later end, the, the, the later stages of events, prioritise playing more singles matches yeah, uh, rather definitely. than dropping out to play doubles. Get into the consider into contention of being a top three player if that's what she wants to be. I don't know why this focuses on three anyway. It should be her being sort of a top ten, top five, actually winning things. I think it's more important than any position. But if she's consistent, if she keeps saying about this top three, that's fine. But she's not in that in the in the WTA race for that. So I don't know. I I I like her. I think she's a good tennis player. And she certainly does deserve a lot more credit for her style of playing, the way she plays and Definitely. the way she's competitive. But her focus on, oh, why am I not considered like uh, Sabah, Lebak and Eager? I can give her a one-word answer because you've not got as many points this year as her. I feel that the points. one argument... I feel that the argument that she's trying to push and which is the one that I understand that she, the angle she's coming from is I'm beating them. There's nobody else beating those players other than me. And that's what should be putting her on the map more than anything. So if no one else has even come close, they all get bageled by Sabah and Eager. She's beaten them. So what more does she have to do to get everybody's... Everybody's there with their eyes on the court. They're all like, we're all here to see Eager. We're all here to see Sa And then she beats them. And then where's her credit? That's what she's saying. Like, give me some credit as well for beating them because they're obviously not easy to beat. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what she's saying, I think. Well, she should have done better then in Doha, where she lost to Kudometova. She could have done better well, in Abu Dhabi, where she lost to Samsonova. These top yeah. players don't lose to these matches, and it's fine margins, and she's certainly very close and thereabouts. And the only thing I really like about this whole narrative and her coming out before this big match against Sabalenka is I think it adds a little bit of spice now. I think it's it good. something which is missing. I want to see that little bit of fight. She's I like now it. coming out and saying, I want to be at the top. Why am I not considered like them? I'm I think that makes this next match against Sabah a little bit more interesting. Get the popcorn out for it. I love it. I, this is the thing that we have missed from Barbola. If you cannot get bums on seats or people being or paying, a paying attention to you because of your tennis, then start using your mouth and start saying, Look, I'm better than all these other women. I'm going to beat them and show you why you support me. And then you can play, even if at worst, you can play the heel war, as they call it in America, where there's going to be people who either love or hate you, but you will have people turning up to your matches interested to watch you play tennis. And there will, there's, where there's always people who go, oh, I don't like her, 
if there's enough people who say they don't like her, there's always going to be people who want to go against them and say, oh, I like her. Yeah, because it causes division and causes the rivalry between fans. It's good. So what she's doing, well done, Barbara. Keep it up. I like it. Fight and talk. Fair enough. Okay, so let's continue. Right, next. This one. Oh, no, we're going the wrong way. Here we go. So this one is yet to drop a set. Solana Sustaya takes out Marketa Vondrasova. 7-6, 6-4 to reach her first quarterfinal in Miami, where she will face either Kaichikova or Sabalenka. So Staya doing it again. I mean, she's had a really good Indian Wells, and now Miami. I mean, what it's the make? best she's played in her career. It's back-to-back WTA 1000 quarterfinals. She is putting a Romanian tennis back on the map after Simona Halep. We're not seeing much of her anymore after the doping scandals. But we've got another Romanian tennis player who's doing extremely well. And um, I believe she was an unseeded player for Indian Wells yeah. uh, and Miami. But she's slowly moving up through the rankings. It'll be a matter of time before she's a seed. She is a fantastic player, one I've been supporting for many years. I got to see her at Wimbledon and I chose to watch her match over some other big players who were playing on the day. Because I generally like her style. I like her passion. I like the way she fights her every Exciting. ball. She doesn't have any weapons, though, Ben, to beat the top players who we are talking about a second ago. If we bring up this list here, she can't beat any of them. I'm sorry, but I just don't see her beating this top five. It's, yeah, I mean, they're, that's why they are there, though. That, because that's, they that's... have weapons which she just doesn't have, unfortunately. She, she's going to be good to beat all the rest, but I don't see her being able to win big events because she's unless all of them are out. However, we can't take anything away from her performances because she's beaten Caroline Garcia now back-to-back in Indian Wells and Miami. Told I can you. understand the Indian Wells one. I can't understand the Miami one because I thought with the fast courts, Garcia would be a lot better. She's beaten Mukova as well, my dark horse. And That's most For some impressive. reason, the one time I'm going against us there in the brackets, she starts turning it around and having the best form of her life. I, f- I knew it was always in there. That's why We've I picked swapped. her for so many, ty- so many years. <laughs> I picked her every single event last year. I was always picking her, and she let me down and made embarrassed me against you every time in the brackets. All of a sudden, I'm not picking her, and she can't stop and I'm picking her. And having the best ever <laughs> tennis form of her whole career. Typical, well, isn't it? It always happens like that. You support somebody. And then now I've said she's going to beat Garcia again. She goes and does it. I don't know how it happens. Mukova, she breadsticks her. Mukova's been playing great. And, well, Sestaya, she's not dropping a set, I think, is so impressive. And she only dropped sets to, what was it, Eager and Garcia in the last tournament as well. So she's barely been dropping sets. She's been firing out breadsticks to Keys, Pera, Mukova. Playing's the best tennis of her life right now. Fair play. And when you look who's left in the women's quarterfinals, uh, let me see if I can bring some stuff up right now. And I can, ha- can, I can bring like up the... There. I've got the draw here. Yeah, this which... is all right. I've got this. Okay, go on. That's probably oh. a bit easier to see like that. Oh, where have all you right, gone? Then, You've gone back a few rounds. <laughs> back to the Grabna era when she was, well, the number one seed. That's right. it. So we've got Televisan. I don't know what she's doing. She's having a bit of a tab just before Roland Garros. Amazing. Um, but it's best I've ever seen a play. results on the women's big time. 
Potapova has got to this stage. Kvitov is still continuing her form. And Sir Steyer, you're looking at this and you're thinking... <laughs> Rebecca. Rebecca is rubbing her hands together. I think uh, Potapova, though... Is that, she's having a really good year, I swear. Like she's been, she won she a is, tournament yeah. in Linz, didn't she? And she's now performing. She's knocked out Coco, well, Kostyuk, Goff, and Zeng in this tournament. They're three really tough matches. The Goff one, I was really impressed with as well because she went down a set and came back to beat her. But to beat Zeng in straight sets as well, <laughs> she's having a great one. She got Pagula next. I mean, I think she's got her work cut out for her, if I'm perfectly honest, because. Pagula loves to go deep in the Masters, doesn't she? Yeah, and I'm just looking, obviously, the players who are missing here. We've got Andrieski, Plan Alexandrova, Krachikova, Sabalenka. Uh, they're the matches to sort of finish off them missing spots. And Pagula's have... a... Sorry, I was going to say, Pagula's a rematch of the Indian Wells. That's who she lost to in Indian Wells as well. So that's going to be interesting. Maybe she'll get some revenge, Potapova. Yeah, but I still see it as it looks like we're going to see a similar final on the women's, actually. Mm. And that could be the back in a versus Saba, unless Krachikova has something to say. If Krachikova beats Saba, then I think we're looking at a back and a Krachikova final on paper. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping and I know that I'm very, very hopeful. But we've got to give uh, a big shout out, not just because it's uh, somebody that I have in my bracket going hopefully to the semis, uh, Bianca Andreescu making finally a tear. She likes it in Miami. I told you she likes it there. She looks really passionate on court as well. The one thing that I've loved from Bianca Andreescu in this tournament is that she looks like the fire's back in the belly again. She's really, every shot, I saw her do one amazing shot where she come tearing into the uh, net for a drop shot from her opponent and then she flicked it past her at the net and then she literally was on the floor and punching the air going, come on, yes! Yeah, I was like, wow. Literally, she has turned the corner, I think, mentally now. She beat Raducanu, she's beat Sarkari, and now Kenin. So two Grand Slam champions in there and a Grand Slam semi-finalist as well. And now she's got Alexandrova. Not an easy match, but definitely a winnable one. Uh, I'm excited for her, I have to say. Yeah, I've got some interesting things about Andrescu. I don't think we've got a tweet for it, but I'll read it out anyway. Go on. And that is, Andrescu was born in the same hospital as Emma Raducanu. And it's in a very small hospital. Um, it, she was born in Misasugu Hospital in Misasugu, uh, which is pretty crazy because they've now had two US Open champions in the same hospital. And she was surprised by it because she didn't know until this tournament. <laughs> How mad's that? Born in the same hospital and they're just a small one. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that little statistic. I thought it was going to be some tennis stats, but just some uh, round. Well, if you and other... your fiance were having a baby, fly out there and you never yeah. know, you could be producing a Grand Slam champion. I'll try and find it. It's just like hidden somewhere in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> 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 they're only taking certain people might have to pay a lot of money now to uh get a midwife there i'm sure they're probably only taking people with a uh, tennis pedigree maybe <laughs> maybe if i tell them i've got a podcast they'll let me in Don't know. <laughs> i'll just show them some highlights of one of your last matches <laughs> <laughs> yeah me limping around yeah great that would be good 
me thundering a serve into the net. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, interesting stuff. I'm very happy for Andreescu anyway. Let's have a look quickly who, well, Alexandrova, she's knocked out Bencic, which is no easy feat. As we've said, Bencic is up there six on the, on the race for the year. I'm excited. What? How do you reckon that match is going to go? Do we see Andreescu go further just to help my bracket and so that you get to cheer one of my picks on or you're just hoping she goes no, out? I'm to... hoping she goes out <laughs> where your bracket loses and fouls and burns. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but yeah, I'm glad G of G loves my pronunciation of that hospital. Yeah, Ooh. English is not my strong point. It's my second language, so just try my best. <laughs> oh, please, uh, Put it in phonetics into the uh, live chat and then we'll read it out again. Uh, and, uh, thanks for joining, Sankit. How are we doing, Sam? What an insane Miami Open so far. Yeah, you're coming to join them right at the end of this one. But go check out the start of the video where we spoke about some of the other players as well. I think that's everything though, Ben, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think we've pretty much uh, wrapped everything up, up there. I don't. There's no other matches. No, that's it. That's everything done. Let's wrap this one up. Make sure to hit the like button and subscribe. And there's a match coming up in about an hour's time. Sabalenka Kajikova. Make sure Ooh. to join us for it. Yeah, we've given our preview. We've spoken about it at depth. Uh, please hit that like button. Subscribe if you're new. My prediction is Sabah's going to win in three sets. Yours? And yet again, we agree on something else on the same podcast. I'm going to go with Sabah in 3-2. Perfect. Thanks, everyone. Like and subscribe, and we'll see you later on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>